Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Good News with Angie Austin. Now, with the Good News, here's Angie. Hey, friend, Angie Austin here. Welcome to the Good News and friends today. Joining us, Beatrice Bruno, the Drill Sergeant of Life, and Jennifer Bishop, Hope Broker. Welcome to you, Beatrice. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Amen, my friend. And Jennifer? Hey, well, so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So so fun. So fun. All right. I, I I mentioned last week we wanted to talk a little bit about seniors. I was giggling with Beatrice before the show started because yesterday I talked to Michelle Ron, Miss Senior America 2004, and she doesn't like to be called senior. She likes to be called experienced. <laughs> and I told her that in some circles that doesn't mean senior. But yeah. But what's funny, she has no idea what I'm talking about. And that's a good thing. Right. <laughs> oh, I she has been best. married for a really long time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. And oh. she was like maybe twenty, nineteen, or twenty. Oh, I just love her. She's getting, she's edging closer to eighty, which is hard to believe because she's so yeah. active. Yes, very vibrant, mm-hmm. young. She's young for her age. Yeah, she very much mm-hmm. is. All right, so yeah. let's talk a little bit today about seniors but in the way if jennifer took care of her parents in their you know last years and i know that uh in her case uh, she was very close to her dad already but became close to her mom so she really cherished that time beatrice you've got how old is your father he's 90 90 wow and i've got my mom turning 80 next month and she's certainly a handful you guys both you both mm-hmm. know my mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love oh, yeah. her. <laughs> yes, to know her is to kind of love her. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So she's a she's a, a feisty gal. Okay, so Jen, let's share your good news story for us first because just to kind of recap, I shared with you yesterday with uh, with Michelle because she is nearing eighty. Two stories of you know eighty ish uh, gentlemen. One was surprising his neighbors on a good day in Wisconsin and a good day in Wisconsin. Wisconsin's still pretty chilly. They only have like a Mm. week of summer, you know, summer's like a week long there. It's so cold. So he was uh, in the longer yards, longer driveways, bringing people's trash cans back up to their houses, kind of to surprise them. And he was riding his bike around to do it. On a really cold day, he takes the truck. But, you know, when it's only, let's say, five degrees, he rides his bike. And so the mom came outside with her little kid all bundled up in the stroller to surprise the mystery, you know, a garbage can elf. And she figured out that it was this guy nearing 80 and it was just neat because he said he wanted to have a purpose which is so important to all of us yes it is yes it, it is. is very important yeah and the other yeah. one was yeah. up in saskatchewan and some woman was stranded for 14 hours in her car but several other cars were stranded in this blizzard as well she popped out and got a street sign and then she posted in a facebook group within the neighborhood and said that she needed rescuing and this man in his 80s shuffled out maybe a quarter mile and led her back to his house and did the same with i think 
three other carloads of people and had them all, you know, fed them all and had them stay overnight. Just another just amazing example of, you know, helping others out since he was familiar with the neighborhood, the road sign and the terrain. He went out there and basically rescued all these people. And it's not the kind of person you would expect to be doing the rescuing. Hmm. You know, right. as people get older, Angie, they they still want to feel useful, you know, and, and that's one thing in our society. We sometimes and I'm not saying in all cases, but we sometimes push the elderly to the side. Yeah. Yeah. When we should be really glorifying them and, and yes. asking them questions like, how did how did you get where, you know, how did you yes. get where you're at? Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, Absolutely. I worked for social services for years and did. Medicaid eligibility for nursing home and home and community-based services. And I would go into the nursing homes and I was, I had to sit there and listen to these amazing people's stories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why aren't you all talking to each other? (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm like, what a wealth of information. And I have this other friend, she's 80 and she's like, please do not tell people I am 80 because when you do, they treat me differently. Yes. Because she yes. doesn't like, like Michelle doesn't act like it. You doesn't look like it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I said, I think we should celebrate it. And she goes, no, please do not tell people I'm 80. I'm like, That's okay. So oh, That's so funny. Yeah. I think people do what well, we've also in this, uh, in our society made people feel ashamed of age. You know, people hide mm-hmm. their age and I don't mm-hmm. understand that at all. No, I, I, yes. I mean, the, the industry, you know, the news industry that you were in, Angie, like on TV, like they want people, I think, to stay young forever. Mm-hmm. And that was a big thing. Like, don't tell people how old you are. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what are we doing? Beauty, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, right? Well, it was still That's old right. school, though, you guys, because there could be like a grandpa looking dude, especially like when I worked in L.A. with a 22 yeah. year old, you know, that looked like his granddaughter. And so mm-hmm. there still is a bit of sexism, I Double guess, um, on TV yeah. when it comes to men being um, allowed to age with dignity and women being um, allowed to age off air. <laughs> right. No, I know. And, you know, that, well, that goes to all the photoshopping that's done on all mm-hmm. the magazines and what a disservice we're doing, really. You know, to our- I wonder how aging yeah. is going to work, because I don't even know if... People like when you look at people like the Kardashians and many of the influencers and you mm. look at them now, they a lot of them are starting to have a very similar look that they adjust their mm-hmm. faces to look a certain way. So if mm-hmm. Kim Kardashian's in her 40s and she looks like she does now, can you have enough plastic surgery over the years that you never do look your age? Well, I'll put it to you like this. What goes up must come down. I'm just saying, okay, <laughs> because you know, with all that plastic surgery and all that that stuff that they, you know, they inject into their skin and what have you, that stuff is only going to last for so long because the skin is elastic and it's going to start dropping if you don't take proper care of it anyway. Well, you I know, think they um, just keep lifting it up. I think when you've got that yeah. kind of money, I don't even know. It'll be interesting to see with this next generation of the, as they call themselves, influencers, if they mm-hmm. even embrace aging in any way, shape or form. I think they fight it tooth and nail. And it's just, yes. that's just the way it is. And I don't know. I'm glad I don't live in Los Angeles anymore because I know a lot of my oh, friends there go to pretty great lengths to keep a certain look. I've got 
two friends right now that are using their spring break back in California to get facelift um, consultations and another that had one not so long ago. And then another who's an anchor friend who said, well, you know, we all do fillers like here, right? And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, I'm not saying I'm I, I just think that if I lived there in that environment, it'd be more it, I'd be more easily maybe sucked into that. And I'm glad that mm. I'm not influenced by friends doing that here because I'd rather just embrace what I'm becoming. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. And did I recently saw Goldie Hawn on a interview mm-hmm. and I didn't even recognize it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At all. Well, and I was like, who is that? In some cases, like, they'd that? look better if they just left things alone. Like, I think yes, about, uh, Patricia Presley. Uh, no, no, uh, Priscilla Presley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that, no, that was definitely something going wrong. All right, let's talk about the good news. Jen's got yeah. a good news senior story. Again, purpose. We've talked about this a lot over the years on the show. You need a reason to put your feet on the ground every morning when you get out of bed. So what's this? what's this deal? So this is a story about Alfie, and he's an 80-year-old man, and he was reunited with his long-lost siblings all because of his cute little five-year-old dog was on the TV show about picking up litter, and then his two siblings saw him, and they had been estranged for years. Who picks up litter, the dog? The dog does, and the news picks it up. It's so cute. It's like a happy, happy, happy story. (laughs) Okay, so he's out with his dog, and his dog's been trained to pick up litter, and then he grabs Mm -hmm. it from him and throws it in the trash. So they did a little story on him on the news, and then two of his long-lost siblings found him. Now, here's the thing I find fishy about this story. It's not the dog that picks up litter. It wasn't like these people were living in an era without any kind of internet. They kind of just lost touch. This wasn't like during a war where you move to another country and then your name is changed and then you can't find them. They just kind of like weren't that interested in keeping in touch (laughs) with each other. So I'm curious to see how long this this, uh, this, uh, happy reunion will last. Mm. Exactly, because he's like famous now. The eighty-year-old brother is famous. So, oh, oh, that's my brother. That's my brother. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. Yeah. Now, going back to um, Jen, you said that you had a really nice. Uh, uh, you cherish the time when you took care of your elderly parents. Many mm-hmm. of us are in that situation where we are uh, starting to take care of our parents. I mean, for goodness' sakes, I've probably been doing it for about twenty years, and everybody always tells me, "Oh, you're, the reason your mom complains so much, or this, that, and the other, is because she's getting older." I'm like, "No, she was always this crotchety. This is just her way. It's not a new thing." I wish it was, but it's not a new thing. So, Jen, with your parents, you were already very close to your dad, and then you nursed your mom through her last uh, months as well. Yeah. Tell me yes. about it. So, yes. So, you know, it was amazing. It was an amazing time because, like you said, my dad and I were super close. And looking back now, uh, he had passed away. He was. 74 when he passed away in 2009 and then my mom was only 67 when she passed away Mm. yeah she was really young and she took care of him and I helped her and they both ended up dying of cancer but that last year we I think now like looking backwards you know it was I think she was envious of my dad and I's relationship because Uh. 
I found out I was adopted at 32, which was a crazy thing in itself. She wasn't adopted at 32. She found out when she was 32. Found out, yes. And I was only seven days old when I was adopted, and it was a big family secret. Because all your brothers knew. Oh, everybody in the whole family knew. It never told you. No, because, and, you know, now, like, I adore, I adore my parents. I had, they were amazing. They really were amazing. And, and it it stems back to my mom thinking we had a, finally had a conversation and she's like, you're not adopted. I'm like, well, no, I am mom and that's okay. And it was her hang up because she felt Mm -hmm. like if, if I didn't, if she never told me about it then I wouldn't have to, like, she wouldn't be judged, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they had four boys. They're all biological, right? But not, and they wanted a girl. And it's funny, my dad would say, um, my oldest, or my youngest brother to me, who's four years older, when he was born, my dad was saying, oh my gosh, it's another boy, put him back. And my mom's like, oh my gosh, no, don't put him back. (laughs) So I felt super special my whole life. And taking care of my mom during that that last couple, well, the last year, because she passed away within a year, was diagnosed with cancer and passed away. It really was a chance for me to show her that love doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're biologically related and she was so tough. Like, she, they were amazing. They took in foster kids, and, like, she would make food for everybody in the neighborhood and everybody in the family. And my dad was a huge patriarch. But it it really, when she got so sick and I was able to bathe her and take her to all of her appointments with cancer, and it was a way for me to give back to her for really such an amazing upbringing that I had. And so it, like broke down some walls that she had yeah and and so it enabled you guys to get even closer towards the end all right uh stick around we've got another segment Uh, we'll continue on uh, with some other topics as well you're listening to the good news with angie austin beatrice bruno and also jennifer bishop we'll be right back Chapel, Nebraska is listening to the mighty 670 KLT Denver. When you shop at your local ARC, your hard-earned money directly supports individuals with disabilities. 80% of people with intellectual disabilities are unemployed. And at ARC thrift stores, approximately 20% of employees are individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. ARC Thrift is one of Colorado's largest employers of people with disabilities. They provide extra support for their employees, giving them the opportunity to decide how they live, learn, work, and play through the ARC Ambassadors Program. The program provides a community for employees with disabilities where they create lasting friendships. ARC Thrift Ambassadors attend social events throughout the year where they are encouraged to work together. And ARC is a company that lives and breathes its mission, going above and beyond to create a space of inclusivity, morale, and culture. Decide to shop today at an ARC Thrift store near you. Find the nearest location at 670kltt.com.
Welcome back to the good news. Angie Austin, Beatrice Bruno, and Jennifer Bishop. And uh, Beatrice, we uh, we know her as the prayer warrior, but we're going to talk a little bit about scripture because as she puts it, that's what she lives on. Uh, and so what have you, I, she memorizes it. And so what's really hit me this week, Beatrice? Romans 12, 1 and 2, Angie. Um, and it, it goes like this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And the reason that sticks with me is because it's so much crazy stuff that's going on in our world today. And if we are if we don't continually sacrifice ourselves to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm yours, have your way with my life, and then renew our minds instead of conforming to the world, we become just like everybody else. And to be honest with you, Angie, I don't want to be just like everybody else. I want to be the Beatrice that God has called me to be. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, okay. Mm. I, I love that. And I, I think you I'm proud of you because I really do think you take that uh, seriously and that you do make an effort every day to become the Beatrice that God wants you to be. How often are you memorizing scriptures? It's just been something that you've done your whole life because I I know you memorized that. You weren't reading that. This is ongoing. Um, I've been a a Christian, a born-again Christian for 30, almost, it'll be 31 years this year. And when I finally received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior— it stuck with me for the first time. And as I started reading the Bible, I just started putting that Bible inside of me because, you know, another scripture says, thy word will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against you. Because if I don't hide his word in my heart, then I'm going to forget who I am, you know, and it's a quick thing of us forgetting who we are. And so scripture is just very important to me because that's God's daily word to me. And I just, I read the word daily and um, I live it. I tr- well, I try to live it as much as I can. Oh, I think you do. All right. So, Jen, um, you know, I've got to ask Beatrice because I'm sure we've talked about this before, but I know you weren't saved when you were a drill sergeant and that you helped a lot of young people who came from difficult backgrounds, um, you know, get kind of uh, the basics in life in basic training because you'd taken them from camp couch or whatever. What do you call it? Fort living room. Fort living room. And so. I love that. I, I do think too. I've heard that before. I love that. So Fort she gets him, she gets yeah. them off the couch from Fort Living Room and then puts them through basic training and they're probably throwing up because they've never worked out so hard in their lives. So yeah. when did you get saved and how did you get saved? I don't think I know this because it wasn't I know your 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 grandparents were religious, right? But that wasn't when you got saved? No, it wasn't. My grand, my family was religious, but they weren't saved. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference. Yeah, it really is. Okay, because people religiously curse, people religiously steal, people religiously, you know, commit adultery. You know, but to be saved, that's a totally different animal. Um, May the fifteenth, nineteen ninety-one, at about six thirty that evening, um, I was living at Three Shreve Street in Wrightstown, New Jersey. I had just finished being a drill sergeant, really, and. Um, God had been dealing with me. He had sent my one of my best friends to this day, Jackie Clay. We were drill sergeants together and we would sit out in the park at lunchtime and we would talk. Well, she would talk about the Bible and I would just be smart about it. She would say, well, if you were to die right now, where would you go? I said, girl, I'm going to hell. OK, I don't know where everybody else is going, but I'm probably going to hell. And she said, well, why is that? I said, because 
that's just going to be my life because that's how I understood it. I understood God as the punisher. And I understood God as the the one that will put people in hell. But to be honest with you, it's not God that puts people in hell. It's we ourselves that put ourselves in hell. And that's all there is to it. But okay, so then how did it happen? How did it go down? Well, I, I went home that evening and when I got home, I had um, it was just tarring me. And uh, I, I went to her room. I say, Hi, I, I'm home. I'll be in my room. Don't disturb me. And I had been crying. I had been on a crying jag all day. And, you know, as a soldier and stuff, it had to be something really bad that made me cry. And I'm, I'm not going to go into that. But I was crying all day. And I, I went back into my room and I knelt down beside my bed. And I heard this voice the first time I really heard this voice that said, no, you need to lay down flat on the floor. You need to lay prostate. Whoa. And so, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And when I laid flat on the floor, it was like every tear in my body just flowed out and I cried. And as I lay there on the floor and I'm getting chills with it now, as I lay there on the floor, I said, Lord, if you're really real, I don't know you know, what you want with me. But if you will have me, here I am. Here I am. I said, I'm tired of running from you. I'm tired of of getting stuff wrong. I'm tired of being who I am right now. I want something different. And so Jesus, if you're listening to me, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. And when I got up from off the floor that day, May the 15th, 1990, I'll never forget that day. When I got up off the floor, it felt as though the burdens of the world had lifted off my shoulders. Wow. And that um, a couple of nights after that, I was I was dreaming in the dream. I was standing somewhere with my younger cousin. Um, his name is Malachi Fleming Jr. And he lives in Columbia. He was at, in Columbia, South Carolina at the time. But he was probably about, oh, I want to say he was a little boy. He was about nine or 10 years old. And we were standing and we were facing a mountain. And when I looked at the mountain, I saw this person. And when I looked at the person, his hands were down by his side and I could see like where something had been stuck through his hands. It was Jesus. And he was beckoning to us to come to him. And that was it for me, Angie. I was like, oh, I got Jesus now, y'all. And that was it. From that day forward, I never cursed again. A month later, I gave up smoking. Okay, overnight. I didn't drink anymore. That was it because I finally knew who Jesus was for myself. I wasn't listening to somebody else. I was listening to him and the Bible myself. And I haven't turned around since then. I am telling you right now, there's probably somebody listening right now that's like, hmm, maybe I should get saved. (laughs) Maybe so. You know, and, and you know what? With the way the world is right now, folk are dying left and right every day. Okay, and you can't wait until you stand before God and say, "Okay, well, I'm here now. Will you save me? No, baby, you got to do it before you leave this earth, because there's a point unto man wants to die. And after that, the judgment. Okay, yes, that's Bible, Jennifer. (laughs) Uh, But we can't wait until that last day and then expect something that's not going to happen, because if we don't receive Jesus Christ as our personal savior before we leave the earth, it's a done deal, baby. You're done. I have and to the tell next you, step is judgment. One of my um, father's really good friends who was a Christian and they he they were friends for like 30, 40 years. And he drove my dad out when we reunited uh, about 10 years ago. And I hadn't seen my dad or we'd really been estranged for about 30 years. So anyway, he drives my, my dad out and I'm and 
uh, my dad at one point said, you know, can we pray? And his friend said to me later, I've never heard your father say that. Like, mm. never. But anyway, mm-hmm. on his deathbed, we knew he was mm. dying. His heart was giving out. My stepmom was very averse to the idea of anyone pushing Christianity on my father. And in the past, my father had kind of been in, you know, uh, like, you know, let me do my thing, you know, because he was in, studied all religions and this, that and the other. So um, Keith told me very clearly that when he asked my father if he wanted to, you know, recite the sinner's prayer with him, if he wanted to, you know, uh, you know, enter heaven and accept the Lord, that very clearly as my dad was dying and not saying much anymore, he was kind of in and out of consciousness, that he said, yes. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. clearly, so they did, Amen. and I truly have peace that uh, that he uh, that I'll see him again in heaven. I know, I know that his mm-hmm. friendship with Keith all of those years was almost, in my opinion, like his backup plan, his safety net. He always had that person pushing him towards the Lord all those years they were friends because Keith mm-hmm. met him when he was a young college student. My father was his professor and became his mentor and they uh, taught judo together. My dad taught him and then Keith had his own judo studio and they did Tai Chi together and he mm-hmm. worked on my dad's house. It was just a very long-term friendship where I truly believe that even though that they uh, spiritually speaking were very different, that my mm-hmm. dad also admired him and had him at his side when he passed away. He was like his son. Amen. Amen. That's good. And, you know, um, I I have a tendency when I have to preach a funeral, I have preached um, two or three funerals for my family and um, some other outside, including my husband's. Okay, it's nothing for me to say, to invite the audience to say the sinner's prayer right there at the funeral because if they want to see that person who died again, that's the only way they're going to see him in heaven. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And the sinner's prayer is just so simple. It's not something you got to go to church for. This is nope. something that you just do by yourself. Yeah. yeah it's a it's a personal relationship we all have. Yes. yes. And that's that's that is the key. That's yes. the key to everything. Jen, how old and were you when you were saved? Uh let's see. I was at social services. I was it was funny because I thought I was Christian. And we worked at Denver County Social Services. And so let's see, I was just married, so 23, 24. But that was my start of my journey because I, I did not grow up mm-hmm. at all in the church. Mm-hmm. And my friend Sabrina's like, well, you've been saved, right? I'm like, well, what does that mean? I believe in God and Jesus. She's like, oh, no, let's in so mm-hmm said the sinner's prayer and that started my journey and I tell her so often I'm like thank you Sabrina you were the one that brought me to the Lord and accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior and it's just been even though at the year before I was um, like I met my husband and that night we taught we knew we were getting married and we knew it was going to be in a church which I think that was Holy Spirit, 100%, because neither of us grew up in the church, mm-hmm. neither of us. And I I look at Beatrice, I'm like, man, she's amazing, memorizing the scripture. And and I'm like, I think we're, yes, I and I work on it all the time, but I'm like, Matthew 19, 26, with God, all things are possible. And Amen. you know what? If I believe it in all, every fiber of my being, every mm-hmm. cell in my body, mm-hmm. Holy Spirit is in there. It doesn't matter for me, and my belief is like I don't have to memorize tons. Like I'm always a work in progress, 
God knows my heart, and we're all called to do different things. Um, And being at Beatrice's husband's service, sitting there with you, Angie, (laughs) I was just like, how does she have the strength to do this? And I'm like, that is her calling. God has called her prophecy. She has the gift. God given mm-hmm. definitely uh, strength to do her husband's, uh, you know, eulogy and, you know, to mm-hmm. bring others to Christ during his service. All right, we've got about a minute. I just want to mention I know this sounds so corny, but if you aren't a Christian and you're like, what was Beatrice talking about the sinner's prayer? I am not kidding you. Google sinner's prayer. I know it right. sounds so crazy, but right. um, I, I went to peacewithgod.net, peacewithgod.net, and it's a mm-hmm. Billy Graham ministry website. And it, besides the sinner's prayer, it kind of goes with the steps, you know, that God loves you and has a plan for you. And they talk about uh, John three sixteen, and then they go through mm-hmm. that people are sinful and separated from God. And then number three, God sent his son to die for your sins. Would you like to receive uh, God's forgiveness? And then it goes through the sinner's prayer which is so short and so mm-hmm. i know that mm-hmm. sounds crazy but i went you know you can google it sinner's prayer i went to peacewithgod.net with his which is a billy graham evangelistic association uh website and uh, beatrice give us your website if people want to reach out to you to speak or you know, if they want to write a book etc drillsergeantoflife.com and jennifer livingyourpotential.com Yes, the hope broker. And you can always find me in my podcast. Should be going up soon. Not quite yet, I don't believe. And that is AngieAustin.org. Austin like Texas. A-U-S-T-I-N. T-I-N. T-I-N. Everybody always does the T-E-N. All right, have a great day. Thanks for listening to the good news. Thank you for listening to the good news with Angie Austin on AM670 KLTT. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.